recording across the ocean this week. Welcome to Hanover. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, as I normally am, and I'm sitting in my living room in Buenos Aires, uh, watching a muted replay of Spain versus Portugal, which is very much what the match itself would have been like, really muted in the metaphorical sense. And I'm joined, such as our dedication to our, our podcast, uh, by English Dan, who's now back in Brighton, is it Dan? Uh, close to Brighton, Sussex, rural Sussex, you can say, yeah. So Brighton's now. The reason that we're doing a podcast today, just the two of us, uh, rather than just not doing uh, for the week when that would have been much easier, is of course that the Argentine domestic season is now over. The Torneo Clausura finished on Sunday, just gone. Um, the title has been decided, relegation automatic spots have been decided, the playoffs uh, all that now stand between us. And the, I suppose really the end of the season, the Copa Argentina final is going to be held just a few days, we think, before the... Uh, the beginning of the next season. I'm going to apologise right now to listeners, by the way, about two minutes before we started to record, a man living on the terrace just next to my kitchen window decided it would be the ideal time of day to start hitting things with hammers. Um, <laughs> here, that's the reason I'm going to go out there and tell him to stop it. Um, also, if, you, if anybody hears a helicopter flying overhead of my house, then that's probably going to be one of the, the police helicopters. Um, to police the football match that's taking place tonight in La Bombonera. It's the first leg of the Copa Libertadores final. Um, so we, we might talk a little bit about that, but the pod won't be online until after it happens. So on the other hand, we might not. Anyway, um, English down. Any yes, sir. Uh, highlights for you of the, the final weekend matches in the Clausura from your vantage point back in Europe? Well, it's, um, it was a very strange one for me to be keeping tabs on because... Obviously, I was in Barcelona, I believe, uh, that Sunday night, uh, kind of watching from afar everything was going that was going on. And although I couldn't actually watch any of the games, I was keeping a close eye via Twitter. I mean, Sam was obviously one of the one of the guys that was updating, and also on the Orlé website, they were trying as best they could to to keep track of the seven games. And it just seemed incredible, like across all the games, you know everything kept changing and I think there was some in some ridiculous number of goals for each game and yeah I think if I were, if I happened to be a fan of any of the teams I probably would have just uh, gone off and jumped off a balcony about halfway through but since I was a neutral it was it was all quite entertaining. It was quite headache inducing to, to sit on the television partly because um, I had a uh, director of TV were very kind in putting up what was a really good idea kind of for matches on the same screen at once, one in each quarter of the screen, um, so that you can watch this simultaneous unfolding, but it really doesn't help, A, trying to watch four games at the same time, very difficult to concentrate, even though you have a stinking hangover, <laughs> so I had on Sunday because um, I was at the match on Saturday, which, which we'll be getting on to later on, 
but yeah, there was a point certainly during the, the last round of the Clausura, uh, it was a great one for the, the mathematicians and, and everybody who love to hate the Argentine relegation system. There was one point where Tigre were going to, to take out Sanaldo Sarandi into a tight break for the title and also uh, would have to play off against San Martín de San Juan to tight break to decide whether one of those sides would have to go into the relegation playoff places. So it really did look like uh, the final outcome was, was that I said I'll claim their first ever league title. Uh, we were yeah. getting on to, to that. Also, Bobby Williams relinquished their title. I'd like to start off the team, but they, they stayed up. Um, proving Mystic Dan, Australian Dan, who's, who's not recording with us this evening, wrong. He, he maintained all the way through the season that it just wasn't going to happen and that the, the task was too much. And I think that's arguably the most impressive um, achievement of any of the sides in the Premier this season. I don't know whether you'd agree, Dan. Yeah, completely. From, from what I saw, I think, out of the three of us, actually, if I remember correctly, I think I was the one that said, you know, if they had a good season, they could at least think about surviving and I think it even at the start of the season you know 19 games to go it looked very very unlikely they would do it and obviously you can see we came down to the last day and they had a excellent chance of winning the title obviously level one points going into the last day and even that you know as you just said that we're in the situation that they were in the they were in a position to at least play off for the title and obviously if Barcelona led took points to that stage they would have won it outright but they also could have easily uh, ended up in a playoff to to go into the into relegation uh, promotion, which is just incredible, kind of if you think about it. And but I think you know overall Tigre are going to be happiest. I think it was the the Tigre coach before the game. He said a lot of things. You know, if you offer me now uh, that we're going to completely escape from relegation, but we won't win the title, I'd I'd sign for it straight away and. You know that's what they got in the end, and I think that's going to be the main thing. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but next year they shouldn't have any problems whatsoever with the relegation tables. They should have enough points from from this season just gone by to uh, you know keep it through. And yeah, depends how much they can keep their squad together, but there's definitely something to build on. So yeah, I've been yeah really impressed with Tigre. You can't really say much more. Next season, they're going to start much, much higher up the, the league. They um, they were handicapped all of this season by the uh, the, the year from from three seasons ago. Now, from uh, what are we? We've finished 11, 12, so 10, 11, 2009, 10 was the season that was handicapping them. I'm just bringing the league table up now on my spreadsheet, which is just loaded. Well, yeah, I think it's two. been um, yeah, it was something along the lines of the 2009 Apertura. I think they picked up something like. 11 points, 12 points, that was the one that really, um, yeah, you know, two years later started handicapping them. Precisely, whereas in, in this season it's gone, they picked up 63, their, uh, their reward, if you like, in a way for staying up is that, as I mentioned, uh, a week or two ago would happen. They, they qualified for the Copa Sudamericana, that was already decided at the end of 2011, using a, a year-long table, um, but we still had to see whether they were going to manage to finish out of the relegation playoff places. The fact that they have means that the AFA will allow them to um, South America's second continental um, competition. The the real losers as well in, in on Sunday. Um, Bamp, absolutely incredible. Who first of all three 0 down at home to Colón when the crowd started, uh, let's say, getting restless um, 
that, that there was there was a lot of crowd trouble. It's just been confirmed today by uh, by a police spokesman that there were 300 people inside Banfield Stadium who did not have tickets but were allowed into the ground anyway. Um, and at 3-0 down against Colón, they, they started to cause an awful lot of trouble and the match had to be abandoned. The 3-0 scoreline was stands. That's normally what they have to do when when the losing team's fans are to blame for, for matches being called off. Um, and as a result of that, Banfield, who who had a championship um, campaign in their relegation table, having won, it was the 2009 Apertura and the Tigre did so poorly, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was indeed with Santiago Silva, Riti, uh, James Rodriguez, all these players, like, yeah. Feels like a long time ago now. Yeah, um, yeah. so the first team to have won a title and have that title still on, on the relegation record um, when they managed to get relegated. And not only that, they did it automatically. They ended up finishing a point adrift of San Lorenzo. The Banfield are going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do over the winter and, and there's, there's going to be a lot of soul-searching being done before they start life in Binacional. Um, next season, the winners out of this situation, of course, San Lorenzo, who came back from behind to beat Atletico Rafaela. San Martín de San Juan. San Martín de San Juan, thank you, Dan. Of course, yeah, the other mm -hmm. two who were both directly involved in the relegation. Um, San Lorenzo yes. 3-1. Um, and yeah, with, I mean, yeah, it's another one from Charlie Good, Carlo Bueno. Uh, <laughs> did you catch any of this done? It was all on Twitter you were watching, wasn't it? So, yeah, as I, as it was going through, as I said before, I was trying to keep tabs on on all the games, you know, at the top and bottom of the table. And for a moment there, I thought San Lorenzo were absolutely condemned because I think they went down one nil to start with, and yeah, you could see it was. It could have been a very, very uh, bad day for him, but they managed to come back. I think really what turned it was um, that first goal San Lorenzo scored from Carlos Bueno was a penalty, I believe. I oh, know it was that uh, uh, San Martín said there was a foul in the build-up. The referee disagreed, and then in kind of the arguments that followed, uh, San Martín player got sent off. So obviously, you know, you had there the momentum shift. San Martín had to play the rest of the game with 10 men, and... Yeah, I think it was a very, very kind of fortuitous judgment there. You could say, you know, if it had gone the other way and the goal had been disallowed, you can only kind of conject what would, what we'd be looking at now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the the rest of the fallout so that the that these results mean that uh, with San Lorenzo winning and uh, and Tigre managing, which we haven't mentioned Tigre's result yet, they got a two-two draw against. <laughs> yeah, with, I think I saw you tweeting afterwards, Dan, that the one thing that made you suspicious this weekend was that Patricio Rodriguez played his first good match for Independiente in two years. <laughs> yeah, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, but yeah. he's. Um, I think we've mentioned Pato Rodriguez a couple of times on, on the podcast and stuff. He's kind of got a reputation of being one of these players, you know, who really comes out and wows everyone, you know, in the, what they call the Torneo de Verano, like the pre-season summer friendlies. And then in the actual seasons themselves, he can have kind of one or two decent games, but he's not really been someone who's proved himself over a whole year so far. I think that's fair to say. So, yeah, but I think that was that was a bit tongue-in-cheek for me, you know. In the same sense as I also said, you know, the Arsenal de Sarandí fans could all share one one cab to go to the Obelisco after the game, you know. It was just a bit of fun. Well, that's 
almost draw both counsel, but we've, we've discussed before and uh, we, I continue to get questions about why we don't like Pablo Rodriguez or how much of a talent yeah. he, he seems to be. Um, and Myers is always the same, tremendously talented, and every time you see him on the pitch, one of the best players on it, but you don't see him on the pitch enough. He's, he's frequently injured. Um, yeah. And that's really his, his problem, but he was very good on Sunday from, from what I managed to catch. Um, between the hangover and the fact that there were four different matches happening on my screen at the same time, which is a little confusing. The other hero of that particular match was, was Carlos Luna, a child yeah. who will now be moving back probably to, to Liga de Quito from his loan spell. Um, but he's the first Tigre player ever, well, sorry, the first Tigre player in short tournament, uh, short championships, to finish as top scorer of a championship. He, he finished with 12, yeah. so he's been a vital part in that incredible survival story. Uh, the, the, there was a point when, uh, if I remember rightly, it was going that Tigre were winning and San Martin were drawing, or, or Tigre might have been losing and San Martin were drawing, but because of the points average, whichever way it was, it worked out they were going to have to be playing for the ti- um, for the, uh, the, the tiebreaker. And it, yeah. it, it came to the situation that because of the San Lorenzo-San Martin match being drawn, Tigre fans suddenly wanted San Lorenzo to go on and win the match. And you think, what a change around it was, because just a couple of weeks ago when they played each other, they were direct rivals. Um, and it's a bizarre thing that the, the points average throws up when literally a week or two ago they wanted San Lorenzo to lose that match and they ended up needing them to win it in order to, to, to stay up. And, and that was in fact what happened. Even if Tigre had won, if San Martino won their match as well, uh, they would have finished above them in the points average. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I mean, obviously, you always kind of get these strange situations when it's any relegation fight. You know, you take on very uh, very unexpected allies and you know enemies that you might not expect at times. I remember a couple of years ago when I think it was Racing that were in a similar situation, fighting against the Promocion, and came to a game between um, Gimnasia and Independiente, and it was kind of well, they managed to get this sort of pseudo-debate going about, you know, talking to a few wrestling fans about who would they rather have, you know, would they rather have their friends, Gimnasia, win the, win the match, who were like a direct relegation rival, or would they rather have their enemies of their entire existence win the game and help them out in the, in the relegation clash? And it was sort of 50-50, like, it was, it was interesting how it came out. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. I thought you were going to carry on talking then, and I had a, an enormous factor in my mouth. This is one of the so advantages. If, if I could have seen you, I would have I would have taken the cue since your face was stuff, but exactly. I've only got audio. <laughs> yeah, for the benefits of that, right. we can't see each other because we're keeping videos off in order to try and keep the audio quality as high as possible. Um, Indeed. As possible. Um, so, okay, we've, covered, we've covered the bottom, really. We've got San Lorenzo and San Martin, the two holy sides of the first division to Santos um, yeah. the relegation playoff San Lorenzo starts on in fact sorry they both start on on Thursday evening the first legs uh, San Lorenzo will be away to Instituto de Córdoba and San Martín de San Juan will be away to Rosario Central um, mm-hmm. particularly attentive listeners will, will realise already what that means for certain other teams in Nacional B but we'll get on to that in a very short while First, 
not everyone's favourite Argentine football club, collectively speaking. I think it's fair to say, but they won the championship, so we better talk about them for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Mariano has asked me to, to remind people that his theory came through. Arsenal have not only avoided relegation, but also won their first ever title. Um, and San Lorenzo, the, the San Lorenzo Instituto relegation playoff, that which was what so many people said was what the AFA wanted for whatever reason, um, is exactly what's come to pass. <laughs> So, do they deserve this title? Is, or, or would it be fair to say that they've gone through the entire tournament, uh, getting the benefit of some very serious refereeing from, from Mr. Grondona and his, his cronies? Um, I don't know. I think, I think if anything, if you look back at the season, what they've benefited more than anything else is that they've had their, you know, the two probably main title rivals, uh, say, Boca and Vélez, they... They can hold the distance because they had a lot of distractions with uh, Copa Libertadores. Of course, uh, Boca, as we're recording, will be playing the first leg of their final in roughly two hours, two and a half hours, I believe. So that definitely meant Boca dropped a few more points. And obviously, we saw in the Apertura, even though they've got, you know, a very strong team still. And no, I wouldn't want to take anything away from Arsenal. I think you look across their team; they had probably three or four players who I'd put say in the team of the year to, of the last uh, 19 games in the Clausura you know people like Carlos Carbonero Carbonero I think I should say who really impressed me the Colombian winger uh, Lisandro Lopez who we've mentioned before Berdiso the centre back as well uh, Luciano Leguizamon all like yeah all enjoyed fantastic seasons and if you consider as well Arsenal did this after losing a uh, Maro Orbel or their top scorer who'd been, you know, the main main man in, their, man in their attack for the last year or so. He went to Vélez. It's just, yeah, I've got to give them, give them credit for it. I was very impressed. Yeah, I was thinking this as well. I mean, I'd agree. In fact, I think I may have tweeted it myself. It's a, a fairly sad day for Argentine football that they win the title. Uh, one of our questions this week, uh, since was um, asked by somebody hate Arsenal de Sarandi, um, and also there was a comment on my ESPN Soccer article today, uh, the content of which we'll be mentioning in a short while, um, asking why why I mentioned that Arsenal de Sarandi were a, a dislikable club, um, and it, it's not really that they they've been getting the the benefits of the balls and so on during this this most recent championship. It's more the fact that they were founded by Julio Rondona who then was Arsenal president, then was Independiente president, is now the upper president, and since he's become upper president, um, they've benefited an awful lot. They've risen up incredibly quickly through the leagues, all of the um, stewardship of and whilst his brother, nephew, is, is, is still the president of the club, um, if Seb was here, he, he would be able to, to sort this familial relationship out for us. Um, I believe it's his son, though, Sam. It might be his son, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. Um, and so this is why Arsenal's championship is is a sad day for Argentine football. It's not so much that, that I actually think that they were getting the, the benefits of, of lots of refereeing decisions that wouldn't have gone their way in this particular championship. Um, it's more that they probably wouldn't be in a position to even challenge the title if it weren't for their, their family connections. Um, I guess a similar way to if... Uh, 
Milton Keynes gone Dermotby with the tide in England. God hope it never That will be a sad day for English football, not necessarily because it will be a, you know, talking about a, a rigged championship, but because it'll be a, a shame. It's, it's a club that, that a lot of people have a, a very big problem with, um, although I don't think that Arsenal are quite on the same level of, of evil, let's say, as it does Milton Keynes. Um, no. And also saying this as well, Sam, like, um, I was looking, yeah, I was interested in this uh, rapid rise and I was going to look it in and I think, I believe that Arsenal were formed, I believe it was the start of the 1960s or the end of the 50s. And then, hmm? if, it, if, it, if I'm remembering right, I think it's around 1957. Yeah, and so, you know, you say, you know, meteoric rise, they went up, say, Four divisions in, in say fifty-four years, like yeah. But it's more the fact that they've risen, risen to the Premier League since Rondona took charge of the Athletic. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, that's the that's certainly how uh, the, the the problem that, that Seba um, and, and that I know that a lot of other Argentines have with them is more the rise under Rondona than the rise since they were founded. Uh, let's see them. Uh, yeah, 1957 they were founded. It says on Wikipedia, so it must be true. Um, <laughs> Congratulations to Arsenal and the 12 fans. Um, <laughs> in footballing terms, they, they certainly deserve this, this title. I wouldn't want to take that away from them. And Lisandro Lopez, of course, who, who English Dan mentioned, um, as one of their, their impressive players during this championship, was the man who scored the only goal of the game on Sunday to, to get them a 1-0 win. Um, it's an absolute beauty as well. <laughs> another fantastic volley. He's already scored one of Tenders for the goal of the season with an, an overhead kick. That was in the upper corner, wasn't it? Straight from the corner. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Magnificent goal and a 1-0 winner for Belgrano. Um, his Sunday just gone. Thanks to his, his bullying from a corner about halfway through the first half. Um, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Arsenal. Commiserations, of course, to, to Boca Juniors. Um, I'm saying this with an enormous smile on my face. <laughs> their reserves, I should say, were completely outplayed by by always lost 3-1 in the end. Um, Boca would have had to win and hope both Tigre and Arsenal failed to win in order to, to stand a chance of reclaiming their title, so in the end it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, but of course the reason that I was smiling so much and the reason for the, the hangover that I mentioned um, a little earlier that I had whilst watching the matches on Sunday and the content of, of my Soccernet article, which I hinted at just a couple of minutes ago, uh, is that River Plate, um, the the most successful side in the history of the Argentine First Division, <laughs> are now back in the Argentine First Division. Um, Saturday, I was lucky enough to, to be at the Estadio Monumental. I managed to swing a press pass um, a few days before the game and watched as as they beat um, Almirante Brown one nil. It's on the scoreline as as two nil, but I'm I'm going to say one because the first goal was a mile offside. Funes Mori when he provided the assist for it, um, albeit an absolutely magnificent volley from, from David Trezeguet to, to open the scoring. Trezeguet had a penalty saved and um, and then scored again, again from a Funes Mori assist uh, very late on in the match. Um, so a, a deserved, more than deserved win, River completely dominated the match. I think a deserved promotion as well in the end, they, they, they dealt very well with the press towards the end of the season, albeit they lost to Patronato in the penultimate round. Um, but in the end, that, that didn't matter, and they managed to achieve the only thing that they were really bothered about at the start of the season, 
and the atmosphere at, at the monument though was was incredible. It, it was just so so good to be there. Um, I, I still can't quite believe that Funes Mori wasn't flagged offside. He was a clear yard to offside. Um, there was a kind of ball over the top. I think uh, Leonardo Poncio, um, which David Trezeguet headed on to Funes Mori, who was offside when Poncio played the ball forward. Was off, even further offside when Trezeguet nodded it onto him, and who then nodded it back into Trezeguet's path for, for that volley. Um, but Funes Mori is, in a way, I, I want to say hold up my hands here and, and give a public apology to him because regular listeners to Hand and Pop will be fully aware that I've always um, slapped him off pretty much relentlessly. I, I did say that he might find his level in the second division um, and that he, he might come back into the Primera a more confident player when, when River first got relegated a year ago. Um, but in, in the last two home matches for River, he scored a very late goal to win the match. Um, in their penultimate home game, and he's now provided two assists, which end up being the goals that sent River into the Primera. Both David Trezeguet and Saturday just gone. And uh, it's part of me that, as a result, would, would, I'm certainly going to admit that I'm softening towards him now. And I kind of hope that the rest of River's fans do, but I can't help thinking that I'm probably hoping against hope, given the mentality of most people here. What do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's very big of you to. Uh to throw your hands up in public, give this very uh, humbling apology for the great Funes Mori. Um, it's, um, it's a nice story, really. You know, he got an incredible amount of stick after, I think it was what from the start of 2011, probably, or maybe a little bit before. You know, his stock just plummeted, and he was the butt of everyone's jokes. And no, to be fair, he he never seemed to to complain about it. He just carried on you know plugging away he wasn't having a great a lot amount of success many times but he never seemed to let his head go down he never seemed to listen to to all the crap that was being thrown in his direction and you gotta say you know he might not ever go down as one of the best players to play for river he's probably never going to be like a club legend or you know mentioned in the same breath as people like francesco lee or or these you know these kind of guys but no, he's at the end of the day, he's the guy who, at the end of the season, got River back up into Primera. So I hope, you know, if nothing else, he's going to be very fondly remembered for that. Indeed. Um, not the other yeah. guy, it has to be said. The credit has to go to the whole rest of the team, really. Um, Sorry, Dominguez got a standing ovation when he was substituted very late on. Uh, Fernando Cabernet actually subbed at half time. He, he the man who made way for Funes Mori to come on, uh, but all of them did, did really well under, under difficult circumstances. And the question now, River fans, especially, is what's going to happen next, and, and who they bring in? Is it yeah. coming out? He's on his way. The situation with Dominguez is up. Yeah, Trezeguet is finally six months into a three-year contract, so he's not going anywhere. Um, and then even you know some of the more talented youngsters, particularly Ezequiel Cristiano and Lucas Ocampos. Both very heavily linked with moves to Europe, so we'll see whether that happens this winter or whether they're going to stay six months, twelve months, and uh, and fight for something in the Premier. Because Matias Almeida, who who hasn't signed an extension yet as manager, but it's all but it's, it's pretty much confirmed with the boss next season, has already said that he doesn't want River to be mate waiting again in the Premier, and he wants to come back up and immediately start fighting for the title again. Um, 
um, which is going to be interesting. It'll be a very, very interesting challenge. Um, they're better than they were when they finished sixth over the season long table a year ago in the Primera. Um, went down, but they've also not had as much competitive, um, you know, top level competitive uh, commitments and, and practice. So it's going to be an interesting adjustment for them to make, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, obviously, they they've been very impressive over the course of the season in National League, but it's going to be uh, a big step up in quality, and we're going to see you know these guys who really turned it on down in the second tier if they've got it. You know, if they can keep the bulk of their team and just keep improving for the the challenge ahead. I think, in my opinion, I think I made as probably saying, you know, making his own bed, you can say, for coming out already, talking about the title, talking about really, you know, making a splash, all this kind of thing. I, I don't think there's a need for it, you know. I mean, the pe people are happy, they've, they've got up, like, why why start with that already, you know? I'm, I'm in agreement at the same time. I think there's a huge section of Rivers fan list that, that would not be at all pleased if they, if they were trying to play it down. Um, yeah. There were people, I obviously wasn't one of them because I went out that evening and uh, accidentally, in fact, uh, but I have to admit that it happened, got, got completely and totally rat-assed. Um, but but much everybody else there didn't want to treat it as a celebration. Um, they said, okay. I heard that, yeah. You know, I heard that people went to the Monumental and this thing. Like, oh, yeah, the Monumental was... was the Obelisco, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, just the, the Obelisco was, was, was packed. Um, afterwards, but there was, there was this whole big argument online and, and, and in River forums and stuff leading up to the match about if River get promoted, do we celebrate it or not? Uh, yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people didn't do. Even the the board of the club uh, sent out a press communication afterwards, in which they said, um, "Queremos uh, a celebrar que no es el mismo que festejar." Este long, which um, which in English is in English it actually works out that they say they're saying we want to celebrate it, which is not the same as celebrating it. But obviously the words celebrar and festejar have slightly different meanings in Spanish, and, and festejar is the one that you know is a celebration, happy about, whereas um, uh, to celebrar something is a bit more um, like a commemoration. So yeah, you could say you're you're marking it, you're you're recognising it. Yeah. yeah without necessarily going crazy for it. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so there's very much this, um, this this kind of attitude of, of wanting to get on with it, of wanting to go straight back to being El Mas Grande, the, the biggest, which is, is what River self-titled themselves um, as being. And, and so I think to an extent, had Almeida not said, you, you know, particularly if journalists are saying, so what do you want to do? over the next season. Yeah. Now maybe as well we want to come up and solidify um, make sure that we're not in danger of repeating this over again. That's the sensible thing to say. And if you're the yeah. manager of, of Belgrano, if you're the manager of Kilmes, who promoted along with River, um, if you're the manager of, let's say, if you're Ricardo Perros Lombardi, even, and, and you're the manager of San Lorenzo if they manage to stay up. Um, yeah. So it's not something Perros Lombardi is probably going to say. But <laughs> get away with saying that. If you're a club that's, if you're River then I don't think you can at all. And it would be the same if it was if it was Bobby who just spent the season in the second division. Have a couple yeah, of that's a fair point. It's not necessarily what he's thinking himself. It's certainly what he has to say. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't find it that much, even though I, I completely agree with you that I don't think it's necessarily the right attitude to be attacking the league. It's going to inflate um, expectations perhaps that bit too high. Right. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Um, apart from River, Kimas, um, as, as I mentioned just then, uh, also came up. They, they had a 2 0 win over. Uh, hmm, I need to get these fixtures up. They be. Oh, who was it? I can't even. No, it's escaped me. Kimas came up with a 2 0 win away to uh, another round. skip it because it's going to involve racing and we can do this before the season starts and <laughs> we will very quickly mention the change the relegation 
system for the use yeah. of the um, And there have been perhaps conflicting interpretations given of it. Seems a bit confused about what they're doing away with the, the points average system or the playoffs or what. Um, from next season, relegation, we won't see any, any playoffs at all. So there won't be a Salarin, so it's the Dudo and San Martin against Central um, this week and this weekend. That won't be happening next season. It will just be the bottom three um, in, in the points average table straight down and the top three in Nacional being straight up. Um, interesting. But as, as English Dad says, we'll probably save that until the, the new season preview um, or the first couple of weeks of, of next season. For now, listeners, because this is going to be a relatively short podcast, uh, partly because of the, the recording, I'm going to play um, some theme music and then we're going to come back and we're going to answer some questions from people. So don't go anywhere. We're back in with your questions. Uh, I'll get the first one out of the way now because it was asked in the very early hours of this morning, Argentine time, but by one of our Australian listeners, who is not Australian now. Um, there's no space for the last day um, in, in his Twitter handle. Is Argentina becoming one of the great exporters of coaching talent? I think made, obviously he's uh, an Universidad de Chile, or at least a follower of the Chilean football. The likes of Marcelo Bielsa and Jorge Sampaoli. But it's something that I've thought a few times recently that there are um, an increasing number of Argentine coaches, particularly across Latin America. Um, you've got Jose Peckerman in charge of, of the Colombian national side. Um, Gerardo Martino, obviously, until the start of this year, was in charge of Paraguay. Um, um, various others as well, who I'm now forgetting. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't like what I would say is I don't know if it's necessarily becoming. I think there's always been a fair bit of respect for for Argentine coaches across the world. Like they've always been travellers. I mean, you can look back at um, Elenio Herrera, who you know, of course, was the the founder of Catenaccio. He was Argentine, and you go back Menotti, of course, who was at Barcelona and all sorts of other clubs. So I think you know. There's always been a good respect for Argentines, their tactical knowledge and what they get. Uh, yeah, but now you can definitely point to all these guys who are outside San Paoli, as you said, and Bielsa, Simeone. Uh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some good coaches out there. I don't know what else I can say. But it's certainly in Latin America, in the Latin American context, it's, it's been a, a trend for a long time now, um, as indeed it is. Yeah. The two biggest footballing nations on the continent. Um, without a shadow. The next question is Shiva LM, who asks How will losing Giovanni Moreno affect the Argentina final, or will the mighty Racing still win that? So that's obviously what he's done. Perhaps if you'd like to mention how they lost him as well. Um, yeah, basically, it came around very suddenly. He. Uh he accepted a move to go to China with um, Shanghai Shenhua, 
where he'll join Drogba and Nicolas Anelka, I believe, up front in the team directed by Hannapod's favourite coach, uh, Sergio Batista. And no, I think it was kind of inevitable, like, from his agents, his investors' point of view, Racing weren't going to come up with the money and they wanted kind of this new move, the new payday after two years in Racing. And from the players' point of view, you know, it was, I think, you kind of seen he'd been under a lot of pressure from the fans, you know, from the batters. We talked about these horrible threats he got, and I think that kind of made his position untenable from from Racing's position. It was, you know, they had a big outstanding debt to Atletico Nacional. I think it was something like 1.5 million to 2 million dollars, mm. which has now been wiped. And I don't think Racing made any money from it, but it's basically like they had him free for two years. So it's it's kind of like a compromise, uh, a pretty underwhelming deal, and you know, not really brilliant for any of the parties, but not a disaster either. So it would have been, you know, I've, I think I said before I would have loved for him to stay. I'm a big fan of Gio, but I think I knew, you know, once that threat came in, he was he was probably going to go. And how so, about the, the fight of Argentina, which is almost going to be a pre-season match? because we're thinking yeah. we're going to be played two or three days before, before the start of next season now. Yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to say really. I mean, if we look forward to to August, I think Gio's not going to be the only player leaving Racing. There's going to be lots of people whose contracts are expired and other people, you know, who have uh, finished their time, they're going to be moved on. And I know Racing, they're talking about, you know, they want big investments in the squad, names that have come up early, of course, just stupid transfer rumours we've got people like uh, Roman Martinez from, from Tigre has been mentioned uh, Fernando Ortiz from Vélez um, Jose, San, Jose Sand who was at Lanús of course and he's in Mexico at the moment he's apparently on his way so yeah you're going to see a very different wrestling team most probably a very different Boca team because this is how, how it works so it's you know almost impossible to predict without knowing that kind of thing it's going to change a lot. I think what's going to affect it more than anything is, is, is that Luis Sabathia is going to have had a chance to really make this Racing team his own uh, by the time it comes yeah. around. He's, he's going to prepare for the new season um, rather than still working with what he's got at the moment at the end of the current one. Um, Definitely. The, the other thing, of course, is that Racing have already been involved in, I don't know whether you saw this today down in England, but have already been involved in the first transfer move of the um, the first confirmed transfer move of, of the winter break because uh, Matias it is Matias Cáceres isn't it no Martin Cáceres um, Marcos Cáceres I always get his I knew it's M something uh, has, it? has been yes. sold to Neil's old boys um, his son of oh. transfer wonderful good you're happy about yeah he's I know um, was it Ralph Hannes probably his his biggest critic and I'm not going to say he's much wrong he's yeah he's one of these players who's been hanging around the club for a long time and doesn't really have a place there so I think it's the right thing absolutely excellent um, now he's become a world beater at Newell's and lift the title in December because that's how things work for Racing and, and generally for Gerardo Martí yeah exactly on the other on the other foot um, Wes1888 asks why is it only Boca who bother with player names on their shirts um, I'm a bit confused by that because I, I don't think it is only Boca, is it? 
No, there's a few clubs that do it. There's definitely, I think, Lanus might do it. Estudiantes, I'm almost certain do. And it's certainly something that's less common in Argentina. And the other thing is that a lot of the, play, uh, the clubs who do do it have a habit of putting a sponsor at the top of the shirt and, and the player name at the bottom. So especially when players tuck their, sh their shirts into their shorts, um, it often looks like there's no player name there. Um, but yeah. it's just, I think the answer is that it's less of a concern generally in Argentina. I suspect that Poca and several of the others who do it maybe want to European, um, but it's not a requirement in Argentina. Which personally I quite like. I always think shirts look better when they've just got a number on the back and no, no, no name. Um, yeah. That's, that's just. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a classic look, yeah. I like it. Exactly, yeah. Um, Phil Kearney, why does everybody hate Arsenal this Sarandi? Kind of, we've, we've touched on that one already, as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Spin Jeff says Who is viewed as the biggest club in South America outside Argentina by Argentines? Yeah. Um, do you think we can give that one a go? I'm, I'm going to guess that it would be one of the, the Brazilian giants, pro pro quite possibly Corinthians, in fact. Um, yeah, it would be, for me, it would be one of either kind of Flamengo or Corinthians. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Santos, maybe for their success, probably not just for the institution, but definitely for the, you know, their success and fame. Yeah, or you've also got the big um, Porto Alegre clubs like Internacional and Gremio. Mm. It's yeah, I think the safest thing to say is going to be one of those big, uh, big Brazilian clubs. Yeah, um, it's a tricky one to answer. I generally don't pay too much attention to not Argentine um, football anyway, but certainly not Argentine football in the rest of South America is is almost entirely. When we're not talking about the Copa Libertadores, or yeah. so it's a tricky one to say. But one of the Brazilian giants, but I personally would probably go for Corinthians. There's the, the Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascherano connection with Corinthians, of course. Um, yeah, and I know elsewhere as well. Like if we look outside Brazil for a second, like you know the two big uh, Montevideo clubs, uh, Nacional and Peñarol, they're they're very well respected. You know for the history and all these kind of Argentina Uruguay tussles over the years. Um, Probably someone like Colo Colo as well. You can say, you know, these are teams that have a reputation. I know Colo Colo, I've heard a few people, you know, talking about their fans. You know, they're very well known, well known for their pretty uh, pretty insane fans. So, there's definitely, you know, some things that that do get through. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there's some drip through, certainly. Arjen uh, Previews, Mariano, who, who was going to try and record with us this evening, but unfortunately was unable to. Um, says San Lorenzo are obviously staying in the first division. He's uh, probably hoping through through grit and teeth there. He is, of course, our San Lorenzo fan. Um, how big are they going to win tomorrow on Sunday? It's going to be one hell of a game. To curse his side by predicting a hefty win. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think he's be right, but I don't think it's. I think it's going to be a, a pretty narrow aggregate win. I can see one or two goals in it, um, especially where the San Lorenzo have have played in the kind of best manner in which they <coughs> in which they played last uh, month or month month and a half. Um, yeah, it's as well. It seems to have gone off the boil just slightly towards the end of the the second division season. And certainly, Paulo Dybala is. Mm same heights that he was earlier on in the season. Um, so there's, there might be an issue of fatigue, uh, 
for them. So I think it's going to be two fairly scrappy but fairly fairly close forward, probably pretty entertaining matches, but potentially not all that higher standard. Um, and I'll have a very narrow San Lorenzo win, possibly an aggregate draw, which of course under the rules of, of the AFA um, would keep San Lorenzo in the top flight. I don't know what you think, English Dan. Um, yeah, I can't even begin to predict this one. It's going to be one hell of a couple of, couple of games. So, yeah, I'm going to stay well away from making any predictions. It's, it's going to be nice, I think, for the first time, you know, see people like Diwala with real sort of exposure to, uh, to a massive audience. You know, of course, people saw him probably against uh, River and in the, in the National Bill of it, but this is going to be, I think, another, another kind of stage for him. So I know he's been a bit off form recently. No, we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, are you going to be able to, to watch any of the, the relegation playoffs now, or are you not that, that bothered about them now that the season's up? Uh, they're never easy to, to follow, but I'll, I'll do my best. You know, with the time difference, it's not particularly convenient, but I'll I'll try and at least uh, keep on keep on top of the results, definitely. Sure. Um, now, Oski has tweeted us another Rasta-related question. Uh, where to next for Claudio Shapov? Um, I don't know. I think the one thing for certain is that he won't be in Racing next year. Well, no, certainly, yeah, because his contract rescinded about two months ago. Um, exactly. He's been a free agent since then. I I can't say where he is going to go. I, I don't know. Um, I do know that there was it was reported by say, say Sports a few weeks ago that he turned down a contract with uh, West Bromwich Albion. Mm. That that's true. Um, that 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 report was one hundred percent true. Um, and where exactly he's going to go is is anybody's guess because he seems to be frustrated. A bit with his uh, his contract negotiations, he's said many times, and it is the case that his dream is to play in the English Premier League. Um, so it's a matter of how far down the English Premier League is. He's, he's, I mean, he turned down West Brom because he wasn't happy with their wage offer. Um, so we shall we'll see what he thinks of himself, but it probably affects uh, where he ends up next as much as what anybody else thinks of him, because it's not as if he's playing particularly frequently or particularly well in the last 12 months. Um, his valuation of himself seems to be an awful lot higher than an awful lot of other people's. I'm sure, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be uh, knocking down his agent's door to, uh, to sign him. Uh, and the final question, uh, uh, we might have a couple more in fact, but the next question is uh, from Just Pooch, uh, which is J-A-S-P-V-J, um, who asks, is there a chance of Matanzaccio of Real getting the knock centre-back ahead of Federico Fernandes for the national team. What do you think, Dom? It's a good question. I mean, it's not going to do him any favours that Villarreal have, have just gone down. I haven't heard, you know, what the next move will be for him, but it's hard to see him getting a look in while Villarreal are in, uh, in the segunda. But, no, it looks for the moment that Sabella is kind of putting a lot of faith in this um, garay Fernandes partnership, I think. If I know Savela, he's, he's not going to be one to just discard it. They're two young kids. He's got a lot of faith in them that they're going to grow and get to know each other's game. So I think unless they really start to kind of flag and they really start to 
give away stupid goals that are going to start costing matches. It's going to be it's going to be the primary partnership going forward. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, solidity is going to come from playing together. Uh, yeah, not not necessarily the the players themselves, but just that they're there together and know each other. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly agree that Musacchio deserves uh, at least to, to be in and around the squad to be a champion yeah. at some point. Um, I don't think that anybody would argue with that, uh, really. And I'm just checking on now to to see whether we have any more questions. I think we've covered uh, yeah. pretty much everything. We, we did have one from Viva Fatima asking whether, which was what I hinted at earlier, um, when I mentioned the change to the relegation system, whether we can explain the relegation point system um, and how it's been modified. As I say, from now on, it'll just be three straight down. Um, and for any new listeners who are wondering why Ripple were relegated last year, having just seen that they've been promoted again, or wondering why Team were only just scraped survival after finishing two points adrift of, one point adrift of the, uh, two points adrift of, of the champions. Um, mm. it's, it's taken on a, the number of matches and the number of points that you have won in your current division over the last three seasons divided by the number of matches that you've played in that division. So if you've been there for three seasons, then it's those three seasons points divided by 114 games. If it's two seasons, it'll be those two seasons points divided by 76 games, and so on. Um, so if, if you're listening to me and don't think that makes very much sense, then don't worry. Uh, it doesn't make very much sense. Um, but yes, absolutely, that's, that's a very... Uh, as lucid an explanation of it as we can give on a podcast if you want to see it written down think about it a bit more um, have a look at my blog stelgolsiempre.com and click on the tables page the, the relegation table there is out of date the explanation is up to date so uh, I'm just wondering now if there's anything else to, to add uh, down to just one thing yeah just one thing I'd like to talk about I know we mentioned earlier about um the relegation battle in the Nacional B and the fact that Chacarita went to the Promocion to go down to the Metropolitana. Uh, you know who they've got in that game? None other than Nueva Chicago, which is going to be quite a feisty game, I think you can say. Um, I've just been looking on Twitter and First leg the second. Played, but, um, and Chicago won 1 0. So the second leg back at Chacarita Stadium is, is going to be really interesting. That was played about literally ended about an hour start recording. Oh, excellent. Okay. I'm a bit out of date. And saying that, yeah, the second tendency on, or the tr- second trend on, on Twitter is, uh, menos peligroso que Chaca, Chicago Chaca. Which is like, what is less dangerous than Chicago Chaca? And there's some brilliant, brilliant little answers coming up. One of the, one of them is, um, letting Insarralde mark Messi. And, yeah, all sorts. There's some, there's some very nice, uh, Nice things there. So that's going to be an interesting one, yeah. I don't know if it went off with that incident in the end. Sitting, I, I, I remember sitting about 15 feet behind the goal with Cristiano Ronaldo as a free kick earlier today. Um, that, that would probably be one of the, the, the options for something that's less dangerous. Um, for those listening, yeah. wondering why on earth that would be a trending topic. It's uh, it's because Chacarita and, and Nueva Chicago, both, both of their sets of fans, have terrible. Uh, reputations for for being well, I'm not going to violent. I was trying to think of a polite way of putting it, but there is a polite way of putting it, is there? Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, Sam. Yeah, Sam. I've got one that that might um, get some sympathy from you. Uh, the Mena Peligroso de Chicago Chaka. Mm-hmm. It's um, from one guy saying 
giving someone the time when they ask you, hey, have you got the time? <laughs> yes, any, any, any gringo who has been asked that by a, a local uh, in Buenos Aires will be aware that that can be a, a very scary question to be asked, depending on which part of town you're in, and on how lost I'd, um, I'd recommend learning to tell the time from the sun and this kind of thing, like, it might save you a bit of problems. Yes, that's a top traveller's tip if you're coming to Buenos Aires from Hunter Pod. Um, we shall wrap up now, we've been recording for ever so slightly shy of an hour, uh, and when I say ever so slightly, I mean about 25 seconds shy of an hour. Uh, <laughs> so we hope that, that this has been a listener quality for all of our listeners. Um, there will be no Pod next week uh, because the two dancers will be on holiday and a week from now I'm going to be getting on a coach to Mendoza for a holiday myself for, for a week. Um, the week after that we'll be back um, or in about hmm, what will it be about two and a half weeks time which will be recording probably on a Friday or a Saturday. Um, yeah, so With probably without English done but with Australia done and hopefully fingers crossed with the, the wonderful um, Joel Richards uh, and I'm with a history guest who won't be saying very much, but he's going to be observing us from a scholarly point of view, um, which will explain more during that next recording session. It's going to be an entertaining or eyebrow raising one at least. Um, but for now, English down, it's goodbye. Goodbye, Sam. Pleasure to speak with you as always. My pleasure as well, Dan. Thank you for, for taking the time out of your holiday to do this as well. Um, from me, it's goodbye, and I'm going to leave listeners now rather than the normal end theme tune. Um, with a recording that I took at the River Plate game on Saturday after <laughs> during the full-time whistle. This is what the Estadio Monumental crowd sounded like uh, when it was confirmed that River were back in the Primera Enjoy your winter break, uh, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time.